Hey, Babs, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? You're still awake? Yes, I am. Are you still awake? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the night is young here. Are you feeling better this week? Yes, I am feeling so much better. Cool. I'm not going to have to edit out a coughing fit. Uh, I really hope not. Are we rolling? <laughs> Hey, this is Amy. And this is Beth. And we're reporting from Sugartown, where it's sweet pretty much seven days a week. And today we're talking about French macarons. Did I pronounce that right? You did. That was good. Yeah? Not to be confused with macaroons. Double O's? Double O's. I like macaroons. (laughs) I I think I like French macarons better. Yeah, same. Cool. So what's the difference? <laughs> For those who don't know already. Well, besides the extra letter, one is made with coconut and lots of condensed milk, and it's kind of hook it to your vein sweet. Uh-huh. And the other one is French meringue pastry with filling inside. Uh-huh. Did I pass that test? Uh-huh. Well, you did forget one of the key ingredients, almond flour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So here we go. Podcast number two, French macarons, just in time. In honor of Bastille Day. Macarons have been around for quite a while, at least a couple years. Well, a few years in the United States, but since the 8th century, um, when Catherine de Medici brought them over from Italy to France when she got hitched, and she she decided to like her wedding gift to France would be to bring over some macarons. And um, back then, they used to just eat them one of the one of the meringue cookies. They didn't do the filling in between. And so um, in the research that I did, they started to fill the meringue cookies. I think it was like 1830 or something. And there's some there's some dispute about who actually was the first one to fill them with jams or ganache or whatever else they filled them back in the day with. You know, leg of lamb, maybe... <laughs> Hey, Um, and and so it's a cookie that has been around. I don't think the chocolate chip cookie has been around that long, but you know, hey, maybe it has. It's been around for a really long time. It's interesting um, that they actually to hear that they actually sort of originated in Italy because most people think of them as French or even specifically Parisian. I've, I've often heard them called Parisian macarons and, um, they're mostly attributed to the French. So it's interesting that the history actually goes back to Italy. Well, you could, you could argue that the, the Parisian macarons are the filled macarons. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I remember the first ones I ever had, I was in the States and 
somebody that I was working for in a bakery at the time had taken a trip to Paris and they brought back macarons from La Durée. And I had never heard of them before, never tasted one, didn't know what they were, but they just brought back this beautiful package of little sandwich cookies that were so elegant, all the colors of the rainbow, and they were just the most delicious thing I had ever tasted. And they, at that point, from that point on, were on a mission to learn how to make them. So that was my first experience with macarons was from the Parisian bakery, La Durée. I love that place. Yeah, There's one great. in New York now, or maybe two. I don't get there that often, but I kind of saved my La Durée experience for walking on the Champs-Élysées. Oh, that would be the ultimate macaron experience. Yeah. Well, how do you make them? Well, they definitely have um, a few different components to them that are worth talking about, so... Uh, macarons are basically uh, a meringue that is folded with almond flour and baked into a little shell of a cookie, if you will, and then filled with something delicious. So a lot of people fill them with jam or preserves, ganache, buttercreams, caramel, any combination of whatever you love, really. Candy bacon? Oh, that sounds delicious. I've never made that before. And tang. I liked making tang and pop rocks. Tang. But anyways, I interrupted you. We'll talk about that later. And you fold it together. You make a meringue by whipping egg whites with sugar. Once you get it to stiff peaks, you fold it with almond flour. And that process is called macaronage. And then you... What's up? That sounds fancy. Fancy, a fancy French word. And then you <laughs> pipe it onto, I use silpats. Some people use parchment paper. Um, I like to use silpats. I think they work out really nicely for macarons. So you pipe it into a neat little round shape, tap it just a little bit to get some of those little air bubbles out and let it sit for uh, a debatable amount of time. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, basically you let it sit until it's sort of um, just barely tacky to the touch, and, and then you bake it. And if you do it properly, you get this nice little foot on the bottom of it. If you look at a macaron from the side, you can see that it has this shiny, smooth shell. And then underneath that shell is this little puffy bubbly I'm trying to describe what it looks like it's kind of hard to describe what it looks like but sort of bubbly puffy um sort of a little bit crispy what's called the foot and uh letting them sit for the proper amount of time will form a nice foot and that is really important when you're making your macarons and then you fill them with whatever deliciousness you can um cook up so or not it's just this Beautiful, yeah. Whatever you have in your fridge. Delicate marriage of flavors and textures, and it's pretty heavenly. Cool. So it sounds like we have very similar processes. Do you want to talk about, like, what a couple things that you look out for when you're making macarons? And then we can do, like, a top five tips for making French macarons? Sure. Okay. So, um, 
when I guess I should start by saying that when I first started learning how to make macarons, I found myself in tears on more than one occasion because so many things can go wrong and some of those things are environmental. And I didn't understand that being not experienced. I was following a recipe that I found, trying to follow it to a T. And this particular recipe said that I should fold the batter. So this is uh, when you're folding the almond flour into the meringue. You should fold it, I think it said like, I don't know, 37 or 38 times. Do not underfold, do Mm -hmm. not overfold. But it doesn't account for experience so it's just it's just about how many times have you've done it and gaining the experience to know exactly what the batter should look like i think it's more important to know what the batter should look like rather than to fold a certain amount of time so i think i was erring on the side of underfolding because i was so scared that i was going to overfold and my macarons were going to fall flat so i was underfolding and i just wasn't having success Mm -hmm. so i eventually started to learn to look at my batter and how the consistency of the batter was. And it should be thick ribbon of constant um, flow, I guess. If you take your spatula and you pull it up, the batter should fall from the spatula in sort of a thick, even ribbon without any breaks, and then you know it's ready. If it falls like in big clumps, then you've probably underfolded and you need to fold a couple of more times if it falls if it falls just like soup from the spoon from the spatula then you probably overfold it so you want to get somewhere in between those two things those two consistencies i second that motion so i guess that brings us to uh the first most important point is your process of macronage and the consistency of the batter that you're trying to achieve Yes. You want it to be like lava. 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 That's a good, yeah, that's a good comparison. You, you don't want to see that almond flour in there. It needs to be incorporated. So if you if you can still see your almond flour, uh, then it's either you have added too much and you didn't measure appropriately, or it's not ready and it's not incorporated enough. Right, you don't want chunky lava, because those (laughs) macarons will not turn out. They will, they will like spread all over that silpat mat, and those feet will not be feet. They will be blob legs. (laughs) So you don't want blob legs. Yeah, you You don't want kangles. (laughs) Although, although those macarons will still taste good. They won't. They won't look good, and you won't be able to sell them really. So, right. Um, don't overwhip. Yeah, don't overwhip. Uh, the other thing I think is don't over. Don't when you can tell me what you think about this, but don't add too much gel. And you need to like I never use the liquid food coloring. It's only gel. Okay. So I haven't had good experience with the liquid food coloring. Let me know if you have because I think it adds too much liquid. So yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I would only use gel. And and just well. a little bit too much liquid will mess with your meringue, and then you will not have you your macarons will not work out. 
Right. You can also use powdered food coloring. That works pretty well. I just yes. don't think that it quite um, incorporates as well as the gel, which could uh, make a little bit of a speckled effect, which maybe could be cool depending on what you're going for. Yeah. I have I have occasionally, when in my experimenting phase with flavor, flavoring the shells, use Kool-Aid powder. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have I have used that in the filling. Yes. No, I've never tried it in the shell, but I have used it in the filling. Um, I once made a watermelon macaron, and I was kind of going for like that candy watermelon flavor. So I used watermelon Kool Aid, and then I colored the shells uh, green. So it was half green and then half pink, pink on top, green on bottom, sort of thing. And then put little black, uh, painted little black flecks on top just to make them really cute for summer, look like a watermelon, and then taste watermelon flavor. That's super cute. I'm going to have to make those. Yeah, they're fun. And it tastes really good. A little, really bit, little bit of watermelon Kool-Aid goes a long way. Yeah, it does. That's like when I make the Tang ones. A little bit of Tang goes a long way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, what, what's, I think we, uh, what's another thing you, when you're making macarons, you, you like... Okay, so next, after getting the consistency of your batter right, I would say that um, learning how to how long to let them sit. Um, so after you make your batter, you would fill a piping bag with your batter and um, pipe it onto a baking tray lined with either silpat or parchment, whatever you prefer. I tend to prefer a silpat. And I think you do too. Um, And then you pipe them in little rounds and you'll get used to, to the pressure of piping after you do it a lot, you know, a lot. You could also make yourself a template if you, if you need to have a little template um, for, to get the size of your macarons. There are some really, there are some really nice silpat mats out there that have the big, like a big round circle on them and a small round circle on the other side. They work really, really well, I find. Oh, okay. For making different. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you're so inclined, you could buy one of those and then you wouldn't have to worry about drawing them, your size being consistent because you'd always have that guide. So that, that's kind of nice too. So you pipe them onto the silpat and then you just give them a few wraps on the counter a um, few little taps just to kind of get some of the air bubbles out and then you let them sit and depending now this is where environmental factors get involved and you're on the east coast i'm on the west coast so you have a lot more humidity than i do most days of the week so you were saying that you let your macaron sit for a lot longer than i do but this yeah. is where it's really important that you just get to know the better yeah. and how it should be rather than getting fixated upon the amount of time that you should let them sit, because that is really going to be dependent on environmental factors. So I let them sit here on the West Coast, anywhere, you know, and depending on the weather, anywhere from, um, I would say, 25 to 40 minutes. And But what you're going for is... Um, just to be able to touch them and have them be just slightly tacky, but not stick to your finger, not sticky, not wet. 
not, you know, but um, just slightly tacky so that you could touch it basically very lightly with your finger and it would hold its shape and it would not, the batter would not come off on your finger. Yeah, and I, I find that if I need to let mine sit for two hours, sometimes a little longer, and a lot of, but a lot of recipes will tell you that 20 to 40 minute time frame. Uh-huh. So I would say that if you're in a humid area, you're going to have to add in a little bit more drying sitting time. Right, right. But I do let mine sit until dry, they are glossy, and then you put them in the oven so that they cook up nicely and evenly and raise. Otherwise, if they go in there too soon, they'll just spread. And you will not get those right. nice feet that are you very gotta important. Have nice feet. So how long do you bake them for and on what temperature? Oh, that's good because... That's that varies. Uh, well, that also depends on your oven and if you're using a convection oven, and you know. Uh, so my my golden temperature in my oven, and I have a convection oven, um, is two seventy five, and I find that I bake them for about fifteen minutes, and I rotate them every five minutes. Because my oven cooks warmer towards the front. Um, But, and then also, which I find, I find is very important. I want to hear what you have to say about this. Is I only bake one sheet at a time. Because I have a small oven. But I find that when you put a couple in there, they, it, it will alter the baking, how each of them bake. Each, each you know, rack of cookies bakes. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, all ovens have hot spots here and there, so it's important to rotate. Um, I have baked more than one try at a time, but when I do, I still rotate. So, like, when I go, when I open the oven, which I try not to do often, um, when I open the oven to rotate, I also rotate the racks. So I pull the one from the bottom, put it on the top, and um, just switch them out so that they're getting sort of consistent heat and baking. Good, good. So I bake for about the same time as you. Um, Start starting with seven or eight minutes, and then I turn, I rotate, and then another seven or eight minutes. Uh, um, But what I do is I preheat the oven to um, about 350. 350, maybe almost 375. And then when I go to put them in the oven, I turn down to 325. So right when I put them in the oven for the first seven or eight minutes, it starts out at a higher temp and then I turn down to 325. Yeah, I used to to do that and I can't do that anymore. (laughs) And you have good luck with that. They don't. They don't overcook. They don't burn. Yeah, the edges don't brown. That's true. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yes. But so you know that kind of stuff. Are, I think it is um, all about like knowing your oven. Are you baking with your... a convection with a fan or no? I 
don't like to bake macarons with convection unless you have a unless you have one that you can adjust because um so I've used a lot of convection unevenly? ovens that you can't adjust the fan on and they just blow the shit out of them. Oh, am I allowed to say that? Um, yeah. I mean, they just if blow you, too if much. You, you can swear once and I'll swear once because I think I, I did the last one. No, it's cool. You know. I get a pass. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we're adults here. Yeah, I... My my fan is a little, like, you know, it's got muscles, so I find that that's why I rotate them more, so that they don't bake on... So they don't look like they're, like, you know, going uphill. They're trying to run away from you? <laughs> <laughs> don't that, eat me! <laughs> with those feet or legs. Or <laughs> yeah. Get those oh no, they, right, they don't you know. run, they don't get very far. They don't run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to outrun. I'm like, oh, sweetie, I'm over here. You come run this way. And I'm like, <laughs> right in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. As I say, that these are my favorite cookies. So when do you know your macarons are done? I usually take my thumb and my pointer finger and kind of give a, one up front a little jostle. And if it doesn't move, like if it doesn't shift back and forth, then those things are good and I take them out. But if it, if it has like a little bit of movement in itself, then they need to stay in there for a few minutes more. Yeah. That's about what I do. And I, uh, have to say honestly that this is the trickiest part for me. Knowing when to take them out of the oven and having them be gooey and not come off of your silpa and then having them be too brown. Yeah. It's a little tricky, but you know, once you once you do it enough you'll you'll learn when to take them out. But basically I do the same thing. I just I just um tap one very gently and try and pull it when it's not jiggly anymore. And then you could fill them, which is the really fun part because there's so many different flavors that you can do. It's really like endless you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Like, like I've, I've actually, this might be sacrilegious, but I've smeared hot pepper jelly. That's like my favorite in between ruining shells. Oh, well, that sounds delicious. <laughs> you say that sarcastically. No, it really does. No, so, it's like sweet what? pepper jelly is like my favorite and you put like I a little cream cheese and then, and then you have the macarons and it's like, it's almost healthy. <laughs> Did you say cream cheese? Yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. Like cream cheese buttercream or cream, just cream cheese? Cream cheese, but I'll do cream cheese buttercream next time. Cream cheese buttercream and sweet pepper jelly. Oh, that sounds amazing. Like savory, I'm, I'm yeah. i to try that. So I've, I've, I... I mean, you have lunch right there. Yeah, no, it's totally my... It's like my favorite thing, but I've, I've made savory and sweet macarons, fillings, and... I think what I already mentioned, but one of my favorites is to candy bacon and do a maple Italian meringue buttercream and slap that in between two shells and, and it's, it's perfect. I do, Uh I do like to experiment with my innards, excuse me, and I make a one that I like to call like the 50-50 bars. I, that might be trademark, so creamsicle, whatever, it's orange, vanilla. But um, to make with, but I like it with tang because I kind of just like the nostalgia of tang. 
And it like brought back serious memories of when I used to go over and walk after school to mom's office and she and I and I pretty much I'd be like, Hey mom, can I have some tang? And I think that I don't know if you remember that, but I think I drank like that's I was like the highlight of my day was tang. Tang. Um, I know. We had like real orange juice at home and it was like orange pieces in it. I was like, <laughs> I just want the tang. And when you say real you mean that can that comes in like the pop top can that you keep in your freezer. <laughs> That's real orange juice. <laughs> Not the kind that comes in a plastic uh well. Not the kind that comes in inside inside a round orange thing that you cut in half and you freshly squeeze. Like I just had in Valencia just recently, and I was just like, why why would you drink anything other than this all day long? It's so amazing. But anyways, we got we're getting sidetracked. So macarons can have you can eat the shells straight up, or you can fill it with whatever you want. And what's your favorite filling, Beth? Oh, well, thank you for asking. I know, I do care. <laughs> I, I think, generally speaking, I'm a little bit more of a purist when it comes to um, flavoring, stuff like this. So I, my favorite is um, using fresh fruit puree and just trying to really, like, capitalize on that intense fruit flavor. So some. Some of the favorites that I've ever made have been passion fruit. I love a good mm. passion fruit macaron. I love passion and fruit. And blueberry. Yeah, blueberry is really good. And then um, I also love a good salted caramel macaron. Mm. Um, one of the most fun flavors that I've ever made that I thought turned out really good was um, a s'mores macaron. So I made a, a chocolate shell using cocoa powder in the meringue. And then I filled it with um, graham cracker buttercream and ganache. That's interesting. And a to- and a toasted marshmallow. Did you take the Did you take the flame to that? Did you burn <laughs> your that? marshmallows like you used to do back in the day when we used I... to make s'mores? <laughs> you, like yeah, you basically. like burn them. I used torch, fired that baby up. Did the firemen have like to come rescue you from your kitchen? No, and I still have my eyebrows. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to say, we should post a picture. So, <laughs> we can talk about what we can fit inside macaron shells for a really long time. But, um, that sounds That's really good. That's the creative part. You can do yeah. ever your little taste buds desire. We're going to post a recipe that we use. I think we might use very similar recipes. Is there anything we missed? Uh, we can recap. Yeah. So. Quickly. Okay. It's, you um, know, I gotta, I gotta get ma- some beauty sleep. Proper macaronage. Don't overmix. Don't undermix. Make your batter look like lava. Yes. Set, setting time. So, um, let them set until they're tacky and... Don't stick to your finger when you lightly touch the tops yeah. before you bake them. And then thirdly, um, you want to talk about when to pull them from the oven? Yeah. Well, I think thirdly, we might have talked about tapping them after you pipe them, which is really important mm-hmm. in getting those feet. And then pulling them from the oven, you do want to make sure that 
you have a correct temperature according to your oven and it's probably going to be a trial basis and then um, maybe overcooking some and then undercooking some and then you'll figure out like this is the temp I need to use but I use again I use my pointer finger and my thumb and I kind of take one and and just you know touch it a little bit and if it moves back and forth it's not ready it needs to stay in the oven for a couple probably like a minute or two longer and then it will be perfect so it shouldn't it shouldn't really dance back and forth I guess the word is okay it should stay put and then get creative with your fillings. Yeah, you can do anything with them. Savory, sweet, nostalgic, you know. And then share... Spicy. Yeah, spicy. So tomorrow I have to put some... I'm making, in honor of Bastille Day, I'm doing red, white, and blue macarons. And I think I'm going to do white chocolate ganache or white chocolate buttercream filling. And they're going to go on the table for uh, French baby shower so beautiful did we forget anything probably okay well, good luck people good luck <laughs> be patient be loving oh oh one thing we did mention before like what happens if these shells don't turn out right if they're ugly if the feet are blobby legs don't throw those shells out what do you do with them i sometimes well besides eat them I sometimes put them in crusts of things. Or, oh, nice. Or I, you know, crumble them up and put them on top of a cupcake. Oh, that's a great idea. Because so, the think, texture, uh, it's the texture that's still, like, you still get that texture. Yeah. With the shells, with my shell mishaps, if they're a little on the underbaked, chewy side, I like to put ice cream in, in between them. What? Oh, my goodness. It's, that- freaking amazing oh my yeah. goodness that sounds so good yeah it makes a really good ice cream sandwich i'm gonna try that tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> it's so hot today and it's supposed to be hot again tomorrow so that might be my lunch mm-hmm. do it there's a place in uh in new york that makes macaron ice cream sandwiches I've, yeah, I remember don't know we had them once. Of, but I've had one. Remember we had them uh, from New York. Yeah, and and Bea was like, I don't want, I don't want one, I don't want one, and then we, you and I both got one, and then she literally, it was a couple <laughs> years ago, she literally like was breathing down both of our necks, and then you let her have a bite of yours, and then I don't remember you getting another bite, and then as I didn't soon get it back. as soon, <laughs> no, you didn't get it back, and as soon as she was done with yours, she came over and she became my best friend. Yeah, it was raspberry. I remember that day vividly. Other than yours, what's your favorite? I have a couple favorites. I, I so my favorite, like across the globe is La Durée, just because I think it's just the history and the memories and it was probably my first real Parisian macaron but um there's a place in the East Village and I'm I should know its name but I'm forgetting it but they make one that has like cheesy poofs in it and I I just like I just like it because it's crazy and then there's this other place, and my brain is fried, and I should have these written down, so I might have to do a little bit more research. But their macarons are always really good and tasty um, and fresh, which I think is important when you make your own macarons. 
Oh, fresh is so important. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've got a mackerel that's been sitting around way too long, and it's so it's disappointing. disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you when you have one that's fresh, you're just kind of like, oh, this is how it's supposed to taste. So, um, I'm gonna post those in the notes because there's there are two places that are my favorite, and it is one o'clock in the morning here and I need to go to sleep so my brain is is not working (laughs) quickly of the places on the west coast that I've tried um there's one that's well worth mention and that's in Portland and it's called Nouvray N-U-V-R-E-I I believe uh they have a Mac bar and get there early because they, sell out all the time. they will sell out and yep and they will close when they sell out but like they should they are just so perfect can't go wrong with nouvre so that's macarons for you french macarons what are we talking about next week chocolate chip cookies oh chocolate chip cookies maybe Bea will come on next week with her chocolate chip cookie recipe because she's got a good one good. if we're lucky um, yeah if she's willing to share you know I can't she likes I to keep her secrecy with mine so I know I'm gonna try well, to twist her arm to see if she can come on and share her chocolate chip cookie recipe because the last time she came to the shop she made them and they sold out fast they're really good <laughs> Bea is our nine-year-old, just her nine-year-old niece, who's a budding baker. Oh yeah, you made you made her cake last week. And we did. Had, we celebrated many, her ninth birthday, and she helped me make her birthday cake. You had how many? Yeah. How many sculptors? <laughs> well, it was um, a part of her birthday celebration, so. They all, all of her friends that attended her birthday party helped me make her cake, and then we ate it all. So we had seven girls total. Each one of them sculpted a little castle out of fondant. It was like a book she's reading, right? Yeah, it was a book called Land of Stories, and um, it, it, I don't know, I've never read it, but the, the image of it in my mind is like, a Game of Thrones for children, like Game of Thrones <laughs> without without uh, the adult um, scenarios. So is there blood in there? No, without no no violence. Oh, they're still nice. No. There's no red wedding in that book. No, <laughs> we did not sculpt the red wedding with a bunch of nine year olds. <laughs> There's castles and mermaids, so. But no poison pie for Joffrey. That's right. All right. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to read it then. So this is us signing out. Until next week, when we're going to probably talk about chocolate chip cookies and see if Bea, the real expert, can get on the phone. (laughs) Good night! Sweet dreams! Bea, where'd you go this week? And who are you visiting down there? Well, we're visiting, um, uh, we're visiting my friends from Norway. Um, that sounds like fun. You having fun? Yes, I am. We have a pool. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing lots of swimming? Yeah. Cool. Definitely. We were talking about 
macarons this week, Beppies and I. How do you pronounce French macaron? Um, um, les macarons? So, yeah, I, I think so. I say macaroons, you know. What about that I cookie think, do you like? I think they just taste good. I mean, I like making them with you, and, you know, let's think. Um, we made them for your uh, seventh birthday, right? Cookie Monster ones. Yeah, we made blueberry Cookie Monster ones. I don't know. I don't really know, but... Um, they're just tasty. Yeah, they're just tasty. I agree. Sometimes um, you can't put words to it. They're just things are just tasty. <laughs> <laughs> if I want just to describe the ice cream mango one that I had um, two days ago at the Korean place, I would um, I would say they were flaky, and it tasted a bit like passion fruit, like passion fruit, yeah. And one weird thing was they were all different colors, like um, green tea, Ooh. its color was pink. Strawberry, its color was green. So it didn't match, like the flavor didn't match the color, which a lot of times the macaron shell yeah. will match the flavor of what will be inside. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when we made blueberry ones, yeah. we made it blue, right? Right. And what's your favorite macaron place in Portland? My favorite macaron? Uh, Neapolitan. And who makes that one? Pix Patisserie. We should get them for our trip. Okay. Oh, she's a sweetie. To stay tuned, subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and you can check out our website, sugartownpodcast.com, for any recipes and notes I decided to take, because we know I don't like to take them. Have a sweet week. <laughs>